On About Books, we delve into the latest news about the publishing industry with interesting insider interviews with publishing industry experts. We'll also give you updates on current nonfiction authors and books, the latest book reviews, and we'll talk about the current nonfiction books featured on C-SPAN's Book TV. And welcome to the About Books program and podcast. In this episode, we'll talk with Janet Webster-Jones, owner of Detroit's Source Booksellers, about how she's navigated bookselling during the pandemic. We'll also look at the latest books on politics and current affairs. But first, let's start with this week's publishing industry news. Penguin Random House, the largest book publisher in the U.S., recently made an offer to buy Simon & Schuster. The Justice Department filed suit to stop that merger. But now the Authors Guild has weighed in saying, quote, We are heartened by the DOJ complaint's strong and consistent focus on authors and its understanding of the fact that authors inevitably lose income when there is limited competition for their works, which in turn adversely impacts the reading public because fewer important books are written. Now, the $2.2 billion merger between Penguin and Simon & Schuster was announced last year. The publishers intend to contest the Justice Department's decision. In other news, Britain's largest literary prize was awarded this week. This year's Booker Prize was given to South African author Damon Galgut for his novel, The Promise. This was his third nomination and his first time receiving the prize. And another award news. The American Library Association has announced their finalists for this year's Andrew Carnegie Medals for Excellence. This year's nonfiction finalists, 400 Souls by Ibram Kendi and Keisha Blaine. A Little Devil in America is also nominated. And Kristen Radke's Seek You. The winner will be named on January 23rd. More award news. The National Book Awards are being held on November 17th in New York City. It is a virtual event this year, and as always, Book TV will be covering it. And finally, according to NPD BookScan, print book sales rose 12% for the week ending October 30th. That means book sales are up 10.5% for the year. And joining us now on About Books is Janet Webster-Jones. She's a co-owner of Source Booksellers in Detroit. Ms. Jones, how long have you had your bookstore, and where are you located in Detroit? Well, good morning, Peter. It's a pleasure once again to be on on C-SPAN for Source Booksellers. We've been in business uh, since 1989, uh, which is now about 32 years, maybe going on 33 But in the process, we've had several uh, changes that we have uh, gone through. And the pandemic is our last most impactful change, I think. So what's the last year and a half, almost two years, been like for you at Source? Well, uh, when the stay-at-home orders came down from our governor, we shuttered our door, but we did not close the business. And I feel very proud of that because my instinct was not to close the business knowing that to start again takes much more effort. So in that process, uh, my daughter uh, quickly got us onto online sales, which we had chosen not to do because we've always wanted a relational business and not just a transactional one. However, the pandemic taught me a new, a new name and a new uh, 
a possibility. And what happened is that people began to buy online quite quickly because everybody was at home and that's what they were doing. And so uh, while she was doing that, I was tracking down grants that would help us to get through this period of time. Fortunately, at the end of March, I had almost paid up all of our March bills, but we did get uh, some rent relief uh, from our Midtown Detroit Inc. Uh, organization. Uh, we did acquire a few other grants over time between uh, uh, early April and May, and I think there was one in June too. And by that time, things had really begun to change nationally. Uh, given the George Floyd murder and all of the social in interests and uh, problems that that came that came about with that, people wanted to know. And because we are a nonfiction bookstore primarily, and I say primarily because we do have our wild side, I'll tell you about that in a minute. And so we had many of the books that people were asking for, and that put us in a position to be able to mail out to. Uh, corporations that would have been having conferences that they asked to have books sent to their people by mail, um, uh, small uh, non-profit non independents uh, near and around town and across the state, uh, people calling, calling in and um, coming in on our online site. So that really changed how the business operated, how the business worked. We really came down to just the two of us, my daughter and I, and the other two ladies that work in the store um, were on temporary leave. And so it was a pretty heady time. If I needed to have a jolt and to get going on a new path, that really did it for me. And I was able to um, find uh, the supports that we needed and to really get busy. We uh, started having a fulfillment center in the middle of the floor in our uh, location. And so that's what happened to us during that time. And it's been uh, from scary to um, uh, shocking to scary to a little jolt to uh, amazement. And to right now, I'm just filled with gratitude that we've been able to come through this far with the help of so many people, including C-SPAN and its kindness to us over the time. Well, we've checked in with Janet Webster Jones throughout the pandemic to see how they're going and to see the emotions that she's feeling as business changes during the pandemic. But you said also you're mainly a nonfiction shop, but yes. you have a wild side. What is that wild side? <laughs> we do. I like to tell it through a little story that one of my customers told me before uh, the move before last. And uh, he said that he did his uh, worked on his grandmother's yard out in Kansas, either Kansas or Iowa. I don't remember. And the grandmother would say, keep the grass nice and clean and tight. No weeds cut low, but keep your edges wild. And so I picked up that idea of keeping the edges wild. So while we are basically a nonfiction bookstore with five to seven major categories, we also have our wild side. So our wild side is science fiction, uh, prize-winning authors, uh, some novels, and uh, poetry, which is sort of a bridge anyway. And uh, now and then a little mystery and a few other things. So that's our wild side, even though we keep our categories pretty clean, which are history and culture, health and well-being, books by and about women, metaphysical, spiritual, new age, and the arts. So we've uh, 
it, we've expanded with our biography memoir section, our young adult section, uh, our LGBTQ plus section, and uh, some other things that are more current. Now, Janet Webster Jones, you list yourself as a black owned business. Is that important for you to say that out loud? Well, of course, because I'm a black African-American colored Negro woman. <laughs> so I have all those labels that have gone with me my entire life. And we are a black uh, owned business and our, our our books are reflective of that, but we're not entirely black titles or black authors because our categories lend themselves to many other people. One of the things that I do like to keep in mind is that we've had many ethnic groups who have come through, come to and through Detroit. Uh, we have, I oftentimes have books, for example, Celtic tales, uh, African, African tales, Chinese tales. That's a book called Tales and Myths. Uh, and then when I can get uh, books that are about any of these groups that have come through, we have a book called Once When We Were Arabs by a young man out in California that I absolutely adore. But he was Tunisian, Jewish, Arabic, and another category of him. So we've carried his book in the store. And so we try to pay attention to all of these different groups that have come through Detroit. And some of their uh, remains are here and some of them are still here. Uh, and so that and it also helps with our cross-cultural and multicultural diverse uh, fertilization of our books in the store. Now, Janet, your daughter Allison did a lot of the online sales work. What percentage of your books are now sold online as opposed to in person? Well, that's really changing. It started out at the beginning, everything was online and we had many, many sales online. And then as time went on and people began to uh, get more comfortable and the restrictions started to ease, then the online sales came down a little bit and the in-store sales and phone call sales and email sales started going up. And even now that's true. Right now, we usually have two, three or four uh, online sales every day. But the other thing that has helped us a great deal is that we have um, corporate sales that come in. We're getting ready to do a large number of books that our, our publisher got us going with. And so those have really helped. And, to the re and as a result, our revenue streams have changed. Uh, when we were not online and doing just in-store sales, that was primarily our, our uh, online sales with a few off-site sales as well. Now we have a very different um, a revenue stream model that includes audiobooks through Libro.fm, through Bookshop, uh, which, which we are affiliate and affiliate, um, online sales are our own website. Uh, the telephone, I still use the telephone a lot. People call in and that's my connection to the world, I think, because I, I don't really go anywhere. And so I talk to people by phone and of course, the um, people send messages to us via email. We've gotten to the place now where uh, we are able to bring back our two people that worked for us before the pandemic, and they started in early October. And then I'm adding another person who will help me with some of the back office things. So um, that's kind of where we stand now. And it's hard to say what percentage because uh, it changes you know, daily. Are you fully reopened and how is the foot traffic? Yes, we're fully reopened. People do call and inquire. Uh, we don't have a big announcement on our site, but we do say our hours are there. But the good news is that we have expanded 
during this pandemic uh, time period, we've been able to do a lot more business than we had, and especially in the fulfillment area. So in a lot of ways, we're kind of a hybrid now. We're an in-house bookstore, uh, rather a brick-and-mortar bookstore with in-house sales, and we are online, and we are accepting large orders from groups and corporations and nonprofits and schools and things like that. So uh, at one time we were set up in the store and you, you may remember we had a small store of 800, less than 900 square feet. And so we had tables set up with envelopes and tape and all that kinds of things for, for uh, sending books. Now that we have expanded and taken over the space that's next door to us, um, that is a, not quite a double, but it's a little less than double the space. We've been able to create a fulfillment center and a back office operation so that we can give our customers much more freedom of movement. Uh, they can have much a much more relaxed atmosphere, always have some music on so that they can be calmed and quieted and given a chance to really uh, move about the store. So now the store is more horizontal than it was vertical before. So it was a front door, back door store. Now it's a front door, back and side, you know, horizontal store. So that's where we stand now, Peter. And we're learning to move around in, in the new, the space of the new way that it is. Well, I look forward to seeing the expanded space at some point. Janet Webster-Jones, you mentioned the George Floyd tragedy and how, in a sense, you were prepared for that as far as the books that you had in shop. Could you explain that a little bit? Yes. Well, when that happened, of course, you know, it was a quite a national, international uh, situation that happened. Um, we had books such as uh, How to Be Anti-Racist. Uh, we had books such as The American Slave Coast. Uh, we had the um, books by Eddie Gloud. We had um, books by uh, Isabel Wilkerson, uh, her Warmth of Other Sons, the beginning book. Uh, we had Brian Stevenson's book, Just Mercy, and just so many others that just were part of our inventory. And then some that came along later, I think Isabel Wilkerson's book came out, Cast, the book Cast. Uh, how to... How do you talk about race by somebody else? We have books on Native American people that are Michigan-based as well as other parts of the country. And so our category of nonfiction really benefited us at that time. It gave us a chance to share what we already knew and then to dig around and find other things. Um, we found that people in some of these organizations wanted to have book groups and book clubs. They were at home. They were meeting with each other across the Zoom. <laughs> and so we were able to send books uh, to, to their residences as a result of some new things that happened in publishing and distribution. For example, there's a ship to home operation that we can use by calling up the distributor and having them send the book directly to the home of the person. Well, that was a huge boom for us. That's like the old idea of special orders, uh, full-blown now. Um, and so that helped us a great deal. Um, we had other books that were children's books that helped us. We have a new book now called uh, We Move Together, which is about disability. So I think that incident, incident has uh, given rise to so many other ways of looking at the world and knowing about the world. And, of course, people want their children to be better informed than they were, perhaps, about the issue of race, class, gender, diversity, 
and the whole ball of wax that we're talking about now. And so I think our store has been a benefit to the community nearby us, as well as to the larger community of the uh, country. And even, Peter, would you believe we've sent books to overseas, to Canada, which is really not far from us, but the big Canada across the whole United States, and uh, England and Belgium and New Zealand and Australia, um, Mexico. I'm I can't remember all the places that we've sent books to. So we've had to learn how to be a shipment and fulfillment center. And I have to give high praise to my daughter for that because she's just stuck right with that. And I run around the edges and try to keep everything in uh, order and going on. So the, the, this, this um, shutdown uh, order, the pandemic, the virus, all of that has had such an impact on all of us negative as well as positive and some a little bit of both i would not have guessed uh, in the last um, before this two or three years ago that we would be where we are today because i never dreamed up this story it just happened uh, organically from hard work opportunity and um, taking risk but here we are in another new place and i'm just so grateful for it and particularly for the publishers who have really opened their doors and opened up their wings to help independent booksellers be more viable during this time period. Well, Janet Webster-Jones, that's another change that's happened in the last couple of years is the diversity in New York in the publishing world. Has that affected you? Lisa Lucas is now uh, publishing. Uh, it's just really expanded. It's not so white male centric. Has that made a difference to you? Do you see well, that? I Yes, I absolutely think so, that we're being more um, representative of the population of the country. Uh, the country hasn't changed the population. It's just that our consciousness and awareness has grown. And also the opportunities for people to come into this industry, which is a global industry, as you know, to come into this interest, uh, industry and participate. I'll give you a little example of that. Um, I never paid a lot of attention very early on when I got started with books to uh, illustration, but illustration has come into its own in new and different ways. And we just uh, happened to have a, universe, uh, uh, a college, really a college for creative studies here in Detroit that has an illustration department. A young man came in not long ago with his mother who had been a uh, regular customer of ours through the years. And I asked what he had done. Well, he just graduated from there. He had taken illustration. And I confidently told him, look into the book industry. Books have covers and have pictures and pages. And they need the design and the type and all of these kinds of things that I know you've learned about. So this may be a career uh, path for a young person such as that. I would never have thought about that a few years ago. But that's really something that's available now. And I'm not always sure how people get to it. But I can point them in kind of a direction and hopefully they'll take the ball and go for there, from there. So, yes, the industry has changed dramatically. I think that we've had these talents and capacities of people in our midst all along. But the opportunity has not always been there. And so now with uh, publishers and distributors and um, author, writers, uh, agents, and um, reaching toward these different uh, um, diverse groups, it is, it's going to and is already benefiting people everywhere. So it doesn't leave anybody out because we still need um, the male voices. I often think about uh, Rodiger, who is a white 
male person born in Mississippi at the time those three young men were killed down there. He's dedicated his life to writing about whiteness. Um, I can't think of his first name, but his last name is Rodiger. And so nobody's getting left out of this. Hopefully people are being enhanced and enriched and helped to move forward to a new and better world. And as King would have said, uh, and to benefit our beloved community. So I kind of vibe off all of that kind of stuff. Well, Janet Webster-Jones, longtime owner of Source Booksellers. If you happen to be in Detroit, make a little trip up Woodward Avenue to Midtown Detroit, and you can find her and her daughter, Allison, at Source Books. Thanks for being with us today on About Books. Thank you. Come see us. (laughs) Now, before we move on, let's look at some of Source Booksellers' best-selling nonfiction books from the past week. Topping the list is Tabitha Brown's self-help book, Feeding the Soul, Because It's My Business. That's followed by Wayne State University professor Alex Hill's Detroit in 50 Maps. Source Booksellers is very close to Wayne State. After that is Bibliophile, Diverse Spines, a collection of curated lists meant to diversify a reader's library. Michael Eric Dyson's most recent book is also on the Source Bestsellers. It's an examination of the role of race in America, and it's entitled Entertaining Race. And wrapping up our look at some of the Source Booksellers' best-selling nonfiction books is The Dead Are Arising. It's a recount of the life of Malcolm X by Tamara and Les Payne. And this is about books, Book TV's program and podcast looking at the latest publishing news and nonfiction books. Well, last weekend, New York Times columnist and author Ross Douthat joined us on our monthly author call-in program in depth to discuss his many books and to take viewer phone calls. In case you missed it, here's a quick portion of that program. There's lots of people who have something happen where they're like, whoa, what I thought was true about the world um, isn't actually true, or what I thought what the medical system told me or what the political system told me doesn't seem to be actually true. And lots of people have had those experiences in our politics over the last 20 years, from you know, 9-11 through the Iraq war, through the financial crisis, through the way that you know, experts made all these predictions about the benefits of trade with China that did not work out for significant portions of the country. You can go down the list. There's been a series of moments that people have had in politics where they say, wait a minute, the experts said this. They said Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. You know, they said the housing bubble would never burst. They said, you know, opening to China would be good for America and would make China more liberal. None of these things happened, right? So you have this this deep skepticism about sort of elite political narratives, just as you can end up with skepticism about official medical narratives. And so the question is what you do then. And what, where, what I think the challenge is, is once you've had one of those experiences, you obviously are going to be skeptical of the establishment of sort of official consensus, official ideas. That's inevitable. But you don't want to assume that everything outside the establishment is, is right, right? The establishment got a bunch of things wrong. Therefore, I'm going to trust outsiders the way I used to trust the establishment. And I feel like that's the mistake of the fringe. So you have a, or the sort of populist mistake, right, where it's like, oh, you know, the CNN and the liberal media got all these things wrong, so I'm going to trust absolutely everything that I hear from conservative sources or something. And in fact, what you want is a skepticism that runs both ways. 
And that was New York Times columnist Ross Douthat on Book TV's monthly in-depth program. A reminder that in-depth is live on the first Sunday of every month. Now next month we'll be joined by author and historian Victor Davis Hanson, whose latest book, The Dying Citizen, offers his thoughts on immigration. Now here are some other new politics and current affairs titles. In Woke Racism, Columbia University linguistics professor John McWhorter weighs in on race in America. Legal journalist and Yale law professor Linda Greenhouse examines how the Supreme Court has changed in the past two years. She covered it for many years for the New York Times. Her most recent book is called Justice on the Brink. And in Rigged, Molly Hemingway argues that the media, big tech, and the Democratic Party use COVID-19 to seize power. And former NFL quarterback and activist Colin Kaepernick has a new book as well. He offers a collection of essays on policing and the judicial system in Abolition for the People. And 2020 Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang argues that America's current economic and political systems are outdated and offers recommendations to address both. Andrew Yang recently spoke about his book on our author interview program, Afterwards, and here's a portion. If the Ford Party thrives, it's going to be because millions of Americans stand up and say, wait a minute, even if I like one party more than the other, this duopoly dynamic is literally tearing our country apart. Political stress is at record levels. We are inching towards violence and ruin. And a lot of people watching this can feel that. And so if the Ford Party thrives, it's because enough of us stood up and said, we have to actually make this democracy more genuinely capital D democratic, allow different points of view to emerge, have open primaries. And again, I'm not after three parties. I think there should be five parties or seven parties. And if we had that, then you'd have shifting coalitions, just like our founding fathers envisioned. Our founding fathers, if they woke up today, they would be shocked and horrified by the fact that we have these Uh, these two parties that are just going to clash, clash, clash uh, until uh, we're we're all uh, in a country that we're not going to be able to recognize and we're not going to be excited to pass on to our kids. If the forward party dies, it's going to be because the dynamics did not change. And and that even though 62% of Americans now want a third party and think that both parties are out of touch, that the duopoly managed to keep the mechanics the same to suppress the will of the American people, to our to our collective detriment, really, to our collective ruin, eventually. And that was 2020 presidential candidate Andrew Yang talking about his most recent book. He appeared on Book TV's Afterwards program. That program airs weekly on TV and is available as a podcast at C-SPAN now. Well, here's a look at some books being published this week. In her new book, Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter and creator of the 1619 Project, Nicole Hannah-Jones, expands upon her research on the history of slavery in America. In the Clock in the Calendar, former Republican Congressman Doug Collins of Georgia offers a first-hand account of President Trump's 2019 impeachment hearing. And ABC News chief Washington correspondent Jonathan Carl examines the aftermath of the 2020 election. His newest book is called Betrayal. Also being published this week, historian James Warren explores how America became involved in the Vietnam War. The book is called Year of the Hawk. And in Reclamation, Gail Jessup White, who works at Thomas Jefferson's Monticello, 
recalls her efforts to have Sally Hemings recognized as a descendant of the Jefferson family, and she also reflects on her own ancestral connection to Hemings and Jefferson. Well, that's a look at this week's publishing news and the latest nonfiction books. Thanks for joining us on About Books. About Books is available as a podcast at C-SPAN Now or wherever you get your podcasts.